Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort of Pixelkin.org, and I am joined today by Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. Brianna, how's it going? I'm so excited to debut our new ending phrase to end the show oh! tonight. We worked, we we brainstormed, we thought about it, yeah. and now from now on we are going to end this show in epic fashion. With style. It's gonna something be completely original. No one's ever said this no word before. Ever. Ever, ever. ever in our lives. Ever. And Christina Warren, senior tech correspondent at Mashable. How's it going for you? I finally have an Apple Watch. You do! Yay! Can I interrupt your Apple Watch celebration to say that's like the fastest I've introduced both of you ever in the history of this show? I was going to say, yeah, like usually it's like five minutes of banter before (laughs) my name is even mentioned. And most people are like, who is this third person talking? Except for that one time Uh, I tossed it up and introduced you first. But anyway, tell us about your Apple Watch. Well, as I had mentioned in previous weeks, I had originally ordered the stainless steel um, Apple Watch from the collection with the soft pink modern buckle band. And it said it would ship in June. And as I posited last week, I said, I think that the bottleneck with the shipments is the band. And actually, that seems very, very much to be the case. Um, As far as I can tell, no one who ordered the modern buckle has actually received their watch. (laughs) And so on Saturday, I was um, at a bar drinking for the the, uh, Kentucky Derby. And (laughs) And I was like, I had, and the guy sitting next to me had an Apple watch and I just had a severe case of FOMO. And I was like, I need my damn watch. It has been eight days. This is ridiculous. It's been eight (laughs) days since this thing has been out in the wild. This is ridiculous. So I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to place another order for another watch. And someone on Twitter told me that they had placed an order on April 30th for the watch with the, um, black uh classic buckle uh the in the three millimeter stainless steel and got it on may 2nd and i said well that sounds pretty good so i placed an order for that model and it said that it would be coming like maybe may 21st through 28th and i thought that's not great but that's still better Mm -hmm. than ambiguous june time period who knows when i'll get it june 2020 exactly and then on monday um so this is saturday afternoon like maybe four o'clock then on Monday, um, I get a preparing for shipment um, <gasps> sign on the Apple Watch, uh, you know, on the on the order status page. Wait, and then on Tuesday, steel? I wake up. Is it stainless steel? Or it it is stainless sports? steel. Yes, okay. is wow. the stainless steel? Yeah, no. Envy. I was always going to get stainless steel. I was never going to get the sport, and I just wanted the the pink band and. Um, I'll I'll buy that separately once it's available. Um, presuming you know it, it is in a timely fashion. Um, but I I just wanted the stainless steel watch, and so, um, I got a sh- I woke up on Tuesday and had a notification from the apps Apple Store app that said your watch will be delivered today. <laughs> and I went, God, and I went, and I went, okay. So I ordered this on Saturday afternoon, and I got it on Tuesday. That's freaking amazing. That's awesome. The best part. Was I was at work. I was um, away at a conference at uh, in New York. I was at TechCrunch Disrupt covering that when the watch was actually delivered to the office. So my coworkers decided to troll me, and they did this in two <laughs> ways. First, they sent me text messages with images of the watch box, like on my seat, and then one of them had the watch on my chair with my Steve Jobs plush doll. So they were mocking me. All right, so I that was that, that was yeah. step number one, which was hilarious. Then what they did, which was amazing. I get back to the office. They distracted me at the front for a while, and, and I didn't even know they were distracting me. I come back, and they're like, okay, let, let's you know do the unboxing. And, and we did the, the full unboxing on video, but I was just going to take it out of it of its cardboard box. 
and they all get their phones ready to periscope and and, and uh, you know Instagram this um, <laughs> as you do. And I, I still didn't think anything of it. And I open up this box, I cut it open, and inside is an LG Urbane. <laughs> oh my they- god. <laughs> We have this on Instagram video. I will put a link in, in our show notes. Oh, my God. It, it, it was hilarious. And I'm looking at the side of the box. They went through so much effort, you guys. They photocopied the shipping label off oh. of the Apple Watch box <gasps> and made fake labels to paste on another box that they put the LG Urbane in and then wrapped it. And so oh I gosh. wasn't even paying attention to that stuff. Like they and then hid my real box from me. And so I look around and I look at Ray who sits next to me. I was like, Ray, where is my Apple Watch? It is fantastic. I have never felt more loved in my life for my coworkers. It was hilarious. That is the ultimate practical joke. The the woman was who so wanted good. an Apple wow. Watch more than anyone. More than anyone in the world. More than anyone. And then to to, yeah. to, to replace it, well, way up there, to, to replace it then with an LG Urbane. <gasps> and my first, right, it was so right. funny. Like, I was looking at this, and my first instinct, I'm, I'm not going to even remotely lie, it was really funny, where I was like, did, did, my watch not arrived. Did I get two packages? Did LG send me something? And then I, and then, and then, I mean, this is going through my mind so quickly. And then I'm thinking, no, 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 LG, this came in yesterday, and and. Oh my god, you guys was hysterical. You it's really funny. <laughs> I, I wish oh, I thought amazing. Of that. Now I I feel like I'm I'm behind. We all could have been sending yeah. Christina packages. There we there was like have. a two day window in there where we could have done it. Just inundated her but with packages. I, am, I just I'm love the. I'm gonna send you like a pink watch. I'm gonna find yes. some way to troll. You. <laughs> like a Hello Kitty <laughs> watch. It's gonna be, it's gonna oh be my god, epic. and and I would yeah. and I would love that. No, but I just love the fact that they photocopied the shipping label. Yeah, that um, was amazing. And, and put that over the other box to, to to make sure to make everything look correct and legit. I mean, like they went through some effort, and and that was it was fantastic. <laughs> Can I just say, I think like um, you know, now that my watch has come, I I, I really like the modern buckle, and I think it's a tough pill to swallow at two hundred fifty dollars. But it's like besides the Milanese loop, it definitely looks the best. Mm. And I yes. don't know. I think it would be really tough to use that. I mean, the classic buckle, it just doesn't say anything to me. Do you know what no, I mean? No, it, it doesn't. It's and and yeah. it's kind of it doesn't say anything. And and you know it 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 feels fine. It looks fine. It means yeah. black. It's I even say in my unboxing video that I made where I end with a very Christina line that says, um, "I couldn't, you know, I I know I'm." going to be one of those apple uh, ended by saying I, i'm an apple watch asshole or something like that yes um, right. you did <laughs> and, which was great but like i you know i mean i didn't but i said in the video it was like i wanted the pink one i'm still going to spend the 250 dollars on the band there's no question yeah. about that and and i i went in knowing i was going to be spending a lot of money on this watch and the band is a big part of it and i have no problem with that i just want the bands to be available i just couldn't wait until probably the end of june or whatever yeah. the delay is for these things for it to ship but i'm with you brie I, I really like the modern buckle and yeah. i like how it, its magnetic clasp works and you know, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to that, but I just wanted to watch. So how yeah, are you I'm liking totally the, the whole interface? Because uh, we talked about that last week with Brianna and the just navigating the whole thing. How are you liking it so far? Uh, I'm with Brie. It is confusing at first. You know, I mm-hmm. had to watch the tutorial videos. I had to like kind of – because it's a different paradigm than what you're used to. Thank you, you figure YouTube. It out, yeah, totally. I mean, and Apple actually, for their, their to their credit, made a lot of those videos, and, and they have to. I think their next range of commercials, frankly, I mean, I think the ones they have right now are really good for kind of making you want the product. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to have to go back to the well with them. Um, I don't know what you think, Brie, but with the iPhone, part of what made it so intuitive, I mean, part of it was that it was easy. 
and that anybody could kind of pick it up. But another thing was things like pinch to zoom and some of the other features they actually showed off in the ads. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They taught you how to use it in the ads. I think they're going to have to start doing that with some of the Apple Watch stuff because some of the stuff is not intuitive in the way that – it's not that it's unintuitive. It's that you expect to use it the way you use Mm -hmm. your phone. And it's something totally new. And it is totally different. Like you have to press in on certain things. And some – I also feel like they haven't quite gotten the the UI down because sometimes the back button works. Sometimes it doesn't. Like it's a weird sort of thing. Like sometimes I can expect it it to go back to a certain place. Sometimes I can't. And and Hmm. getting back to the the main little apps screen is 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 kind of difficult i mean you know i i've run into, i've only had it you know a little over 24 hours and i haven't had a <laughs> tremendous amount of time to spend with it because i've been working but it's uh there definitely are you know it, it has a learning curve to it as, as a lot of people have written yeah. Um, yeah. i think once you get used to it it's better but it's one of those things where being so conditioned with apple you know touch products for yeah. the last however many years going to one where i'm first time i'm like i don't really know how to use this <laughs> it's a new frontier well i actually i have a i have a piece coming up in uh i more this can be on this exact subject okay. and i mean i think the big problem is you know i've thought so much about this because i care a lot about interface design like that's kind of one of my areas of specialty as a game developer and um i think what they need to do is to find something and make it just freaking consistent between all the apps like fine holding down a force touch is a gesture that leads to customize then it needs to do that in every single app like i think it's really notable that over in fitness so you know this is a use case that drives me absolutely crazy i don't want to turn this into a whole another (laughs) show but just to say this quickly um yeah, like, so if I am tweaking my watch face, I can force touch it and, like, put the things on there that I care the most about. Mm-hmm. But if I'm out for a bike ride on the Minuteman Trail, um, I have to, like, <laughs> like the use case that they have in mind is that I'm going to, like, take both hands off the handlebars and swipe <laughs> left or right to both activate the watch and swipe between, like, uh, time heart rate, you know, (laughs) and they need to pick one consistent paradigm for it. Okay. So swiping down, like gives you, um, notifications or swiping up gives you glances. Yeah. You know, like they need to find something and stick to it. And, you know, I, I just wait for my piece about it, but it's, it's a very unfinished product. And I think like they need to just I think the functionality is there. And Christine, I'd love to know what you think of the the workout things and the rings because I love this. I love it bothering me to stand up. I love it bothering me to exercise. We Um, should set aside some time for that next week, maybe when the piece comes out. Absolutely. I agree. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I can't wait to read read what you've written, Brie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> An Apple Watch show thir- version the third. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Simone, right. I am going to buy you an Apple Watch. Cabrilla. We are. I was going to say, we're going to get you a sport. We're... Why don't we just do like a Kickstarter or a Patreon or something? Like, let's buy Simone <laughs> yeah. an Apple Watch. Let's get, get, le- let's get Left Watch. Shark an Apple Watch. Absolutely. Oh my we need God. to get Left Shark an Apple Watch. We can I... discuss this. <laughs> I don't want to take from the mouths of our, our listeners. They They... But they, we will, but, you know, we will find a way to make that. Happen. It'll happen. I, if we I will find to, a way to make I'll, this happen. I'll sing yes. on the street. I'll just set up a little, like a little donation box, and I will sing classic Disney tunes on the street. And everyone who hears me will certainly want to to give me money to make sure that that stops and I go away. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's a foolproof plan. 
All so right. This yeah. week is like the Christina week. Uh, it is. Of things. Yeah. Christina, this is your week. So, Christina, I, totally. yeah, you wrote a piece about Carly Fiorina's uh, run for the presidency. Uh, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. So, Carly just Fiorina, a bit. who was just a little bit. So, um, and, and this is the political part of a podcast. If you like Carly Fiorina, you may want to tune out for the next, ha. you know, 10 or 15 minutes or so. Um, <laughs> I make no apologies about being critical of her. So I'm actually working on a longer piece where I, I argue that I and, – and this is kind of what I want to talk about with you guys. Mm-hmm. I, I Carly Fiorina is, announced on Monday that she's running for president. Um, if you're not familiar with who she is, she ran for the Senate in uh, 2010 against Barbara Boxer in California. She lost by 10 points after spending $50 million, six and a half of which was her own money. Um, and before that, she's Perp. best known as the CEO of Hewlett Packard. She was CEO from 99 to 2005. And um, she was the first female CEO of Fortune 50 company. And she was ousted by the board for a lot of reasons. And ironically, she – because Leo Potiker, who was took over after her successor, was ousted for his own weird scandal, was actually worse than she was. She can't – go down in history as the worst HPC, HPCO ever. <laughs> but she certainly oversaw what many consider to be one of the worst corporate mergers in history, which was the merger of, of HP and Compaq. Mm-hmm. And her tenure at HP was was fraught with a lot of missteps and, and people criticized things. You know, she cut 30,000 jobs. Some of those were because of down economies and other things. And and, and uh, But some things were, were just shutting divisions down. She was responsible for the disastrous um, Apple plus HP iPod. Uh, if you recall that they I sold do. an HP, they they sold an HP branded iPod that was the same as any other iPod. It just had an HP logo on the back too, uh, because somehow she thought that was a good idea. I mean, it was a good move for Apple. Apple got iTunes preloaded on Hewlett Packard computers, but why HP thought anybody would spend the same amount of money for an identical looking iPod that happened to have an HP logo on the back and thought that that would in any way help HP at all? I don't know. You know, she. Um, <laughs> Is is uh you know famous for saying oh she started as a secretary and became a CEO but you know I've had a lot of problems with her for a long time and so she's in the news. Is this that week, legitimate you know, that she started as a secretary or she what's did her she back? did okay. she started as a secretary she started as a secretary but she did go to business school and did other things um, okay you know so, so it's it's not as if she doesn't have any sort of you know educational background so it's yeah. a little bit of a misnomer you know she was a secretary but it's not as if she wasn't qualified to do more things than that. And and I certainly don't want to take away from the fact that, yes, she was the first woman who was the CEO of a Fortune 50 company. Mm-hmm. And I recall when I was when I was younger, when I was in high school and she became the CEO of HP, I was super excited as someone who is a woman who's into tech and into business. I was yeah, like, she could a be a role deal. model. I was like, she could be a real role model, right? Um, no, unfortunately, she wasn't. And there was this great article in Fortune magazine in 2005 that was written before she was ousted that basically said, you know, her her ideas, why is the compact, you know, why did the merger not work? Why is what she's doing not working? You know, HP lost half of its stock value in during her tenure. You know, they <laughs> they, they doubled down on an area of PCs. They wanted to beat IBM, who at, who at the time was the biggest PC company. They wanted to beat IBM, and so they bought rival Compaq to do that. At the same time that IBM was saying, actually, PCs are becoming really low margin, and it's better for us to get into services. And so, HP, so mm-hmm. you know, Compaq smartly sold their PC division. They're not Compaq. IBM sold their PC division to Lenovo. Yeah. And meanwhile, HP is doubling down on this, and and yeah, they became the largest PC maker, but in a in a in a you know market that increasingly became low margin and and low profit 
Um, and, you know, there were – she there was – Never the sense that she had the real like HP had always been known for being really innovative and having a really good internal culture. She got rid of that immediately. People did not like working for her. The cultures that Compaq and HP were vastly different, and they were never well integrated. Oof. I've heard from a number of people who worked at HP when she was there who just said she was a disaster and was an egomaniac. You know, she and part of the, some of the criticism is obviously because she was a woman, but a lot of it is just because she was a bad manager. You know, she came in and she put her photo next to, you know, um, Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard's, the founders oh. of HP. She put her photo next to theirs. Like there's this famous story. And I mean, you know, she really always wanted to make the conversation about Carly. And, um, when she was ousted and, and, and the fight was messy and it was valid for a lot of reasons and things were leaked to the press, which she then wrote about in her book, um, she wanted to kind of say sexism, that she wouldn't have been fired if she hadn't been a woman. Um, Katie Bonner from Bloomberg View wrote a really good article this week basically saying, no, actually, she was not ousted because she was a woman. She was ousted because she was a terrible CEO. And in yeah. fact, on most top 10 lists of like worst CEOs ever, she's up there. That's uh, but but it has nothing to do with her being a woman. It's because she sucked. My my issue that I take with her, and, and I'm going to be writing about this uh, mm-hmm. for Mashable, is that because she was the first woman who was a Fortune 50 CEO, and because she did such a bad job, she actually hurt the women's movement, and she actually yeah. hurt women in business. She set us back at least a generation. Um, I I would say probably I don't I think it'll be another 10 years before we're fully over. Carly's um, uh, debacle, but but it, it took 10 years for us to even get to the point where we could have female CEOs of major companies again, and it wasn't like taboo. Um, and even now, you know, Meg Whitman was a CEO of eBay when, when Carly was, was ousted. So when she was made CEO of HP in 2011, that wasn't as much of a return to form. You know, Marissa Mayer was brought in at Yahoo, but Yahoo is a struggling company. Um, mm-hmm. You have a CEO of, of GE and uh, um, uh, not GE, excuse me, of IBM and of and of GM, and and a co-female CEO of Oracle. Mm-hmm. But other than those companies, and those have been relatively recent appointments um, since Carly left, it was ousted in 2005. There was all this momentum where we thought maybe women could finally get ahead in the business world died, and and I would liken it to. When Geraldine Ferrero was chosen as um, Mondale's running mate in um, 84, I guess it was, mm-hmm. um, uh, for the presidential election um, for the Democratic Party, she was not a qualified candidate, frankly. She was not a qualified vice presidential candidate oh, in a lot right. of ways. Yeah. She, was the de- yeah. she, was the, mm-hmm. she was the Democratic Sarah Palin. And I've always thought that <laughs> she was. God. And I've always thought that, that she set um, women in politics back by 20 years. And in oh. fact, it took until Hillary Clinton became a viable contender for president in 2008 for us to finally have a female candidate uh, or a potential candidate again, again. And in fact, it was 24 years um, that it took, you know, between um, uh, Ferrero and, and Palin. Um, and we never in the United States had even another another shot at that. Why? Because she was so bad, she set everything else back. Part of the problem, I think, and, and you guys can agree or disagree with me, but I think when we are in the minority on something and, and we are in power when it comes to tech, when it comes to CEOs, when it comes to politics, um, because of that, we are judged more harshly. It's yeah. not fair, but yeah. it's true. And that means we've got to be better. We've got to be better than the average. It's not enough to just be good at your job. You've got to be great. It's not enough to just be sort of competent. You've got to be on your shit. We have to be humble. I would agree with that. And I also hate it. I hate it, but it's the truth. No, I know you're totally right. But it, it's just like infuriating to me that that could be. Yeah. 
I, I, I have a lot to say about this as, you know, okay. the leader of my own company and, yes. you know, someone that's perceived by me to be a leader on, you know, feminism in, in the game industry. Um, so I, I, I want to say overall, I agree with you. There is no defending her tenure at HP. There's particularly no defending like the acquisition of compact like there's no um like you see her again and again making missteps um and i have to tell you it's hard for me to critique her 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 management style not having been there but it's it's fair to say that many people critique her as being like distant and and harsh and kind of arrogant. Um, something I've learned and something I think a lot about is it's the difference in Captain Picard and Captain Janeway, um, who are very, very different leaders on Star Trek. And what I've learned is for whatever reason, as a woman leader, you can't be Captain Picard. You can't stand right. up there and bark <laughs> orders. It doesn't right. work. Now, there's a larger question about why that doesn't work, but I have consistently found that being, you have to draw a line and you have to be you yes. know, firm in what you believe and think. And I think that I am, but there also has to be a warmness in like bringing the best out of people and building consensus. And from everything I've ever read about her, you know, it seems like she, she kind of substitutes, um, Maybe she she seems very arrogant. I think in responding yes. to you know like carlafiona.org, which <laughs> right. it's this brilliant site that you know basically says like she failed to register this domain. Here are all the people she laid off during her tenure at HP, and then it has thirty thousand frowny faces at the <laughs> right. end of it. And, and the quote from her that said. I should right. have laid them I should off have faster. Done it sooner. Um, and by the way, you know, like, look, laying people off is is tough. Firing people is yeah. difficult. I've done it. Um, but I think you can look at that and see, like, an organization doesn't exist without its people, right? right. Like yeah. giant space cat without my team. Right. I'm just a woman that's angry on Twitter, right? Mm -hmm. So and then, right, you know, and, and um, I would also say yeah. her problem with layoffs. I would just say real quickly, her problem with the sure. layoffs. I, my problem with her answers on that is, on the one hand, look, sometimes you've got to do it and sometimes you've got to make really big cuts, and that sucks right. in all cases. She could say it's never easy to have to let people go. Right. She's never said that. In fact, what she said before is that there were a lot of people there who, you know, HP had never done a layoff. HP had never, you know, like fired people, which obviously wasn't true, but they never had layoffs before. There was a lot of people that were, weren't doing anything, and I had to get rid of people who weren't you know, basically implying that if you were laid off at HP during that era, it was because you weren't wow. working and were were terrible. And to me, whether that's true or not, and obviously with that number of people, it's not true. Right. It looks terrible and makes you a bad leader, I yeah. think, if you're going to publicly disparage, you know, the families of the people you've just let go of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was, she, was she the one who said that, who uh, correlated that with H, did she say HP has never had a, a layoff before? Therefore, we needed one. Is that the is that what the implication of that is? The implication was basically that there had been, you know, 30 years, however old the company was at that yeah. point of Croft built up. Wow. 
as if layoffs are a natural part of should be a natural part of the cycle. <laughs> she tries she tries to have it both ways. She complains that HP was the victim of the dot com, you know, bust, which which certainly they right. didn't benefit from it, but they were never really a part of it, so they were not hurt as badly as a company like Cisco or, mm-hmm. you know, certainly startups. Um, so she tries to say, I was part of this terrible, you know, recession in this industry that has only now started to rebound. Well, first of all, that's not really true because <laughs> you can look at contemporaries. IBM, for instance, who is a company very similar to HP, they sold off their PC division and became yep. even more, had even more money. You yeah. know, there's a way to survive that hurdle that she didn't clearly. So she wants to have it both ways. She wants yeah. to say, I had to do this because all these things happened that was unfair and maybe she was dealt a bad hand but the truth of the matter is also she bought she spent 45 billion dollars on a company that um frankly you know they didn't need to buy and yeah. merged yeah. two completely disparate cultures and made one of the worst decisions that she could yep. have made meaning there were a lot of extra people there because yes exactly yeah. but but even that aside i think seventeen thousand might have come from the compact layoffs but that's still another thirteen thousand people that were laid off aside hmm. from that and so you know, I mean, when we're talking about those types of numbers, it's a lot. And, and I'm not yeah. saying that, you know, at a certain point, like Yahoo has been criticized a lot for not doing more layoffs. I think that's probably from a business standpoint. I know this sounds terrible. I think that's probably a fair criticism. There probably is a lot of stuff they could get rid of at Yahoo and, and trim that company down some. Oh, but, yeah. but, you know, you don't have to be almost gleeful or so surfacely cold yeah. about it especially as you said Bree, when you're a woman when you're a woman Ugh. it's it's not fair but you have you can't it, it's it sucks but it's the reality and i almost feel like we if we have more female ceos we can get to the point where we can have these more nuanced things and say some people are allowed to be more brisk and and, and more you know hoity and, and more you know cold and some people are allowed to be more warm and, and and caring you know what i want though i want men in positions of power to start being considerate of how they speak to people and how they handle oh people because like like reading i was reading a blog this week uh women about women directors and the anecdotes they were telling like you know you you in that position of power you can't be the director who like throws the phone book at someone whereas there right, are so you can't many be stories David, of male directors right. who've done that so you men yes. in positions of power start considering like maybe don't lose your temper publicly maybe start re- restraining yourself and speaking to considering how restrained women have to be in positions like that and like apply those principles to yourself and well, absolutely be yeah. a better yeah. person <laughs> I, 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 I have a lot to say about this like as far as laying people off um you know i fire i fired a lot of people i fired a lot of people this isn't my first startup giant space cat and it's always stressful yeah but and there are people and then people i've fired from my company for unbelievably great reasons and you have to take the high road with that and to not like insult people or make it worse because yeah. if you're in a position of power kicking down is always 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 a bad thing i've actually had people that i've fired for unbelievably awesome and just reasons <laughs> that have turned around bad mouth their company and you know what i do like i just say nothing because it would yeah, be utterly right. classless if I didn't. I, I do have exactly. to say this, though. Looking at the way Marissa Mayer is is treated by the press, by investors, and even by women is utterly sexist. And I hate seeing the way that she is treated. And I'm not going to claim she's a perfect leader. And I could, we can mm-hmm. pick it apart. But 
I see her held to these really unfair standards. There's a really interesting um, um, phenomena that I've noticed over my entire career in tech, that when the ship is sinking, they tend to put women in charge. They did it with Yahoo. They've done it with certain sites in journalism that I'm not going to (laughs) talk about. Like, and it's this real phenomena where women are handed like this bad hand and then they get blamed if things go oh, you can't go fix terribly. that god right. women yeah. are incompetent what's wrong with you and <laughs> i think it's really unfair with her and oh man like christina did you see the the investor that is talking to her at like an investor um stand-up meeting to marissa mayer and says she looks cute as a button oh <laughs> I'm so my cringing god for her. or look at the way no i absolutely like, look at the way women yeah. treat her when she went through and terminated the stay-at-home, work-from-home policy. Yes. Because she felt like people needed to see each other. I'm sorry. You know, this I is that was so... Fair. It was completely fair, and it just... I, I get so tired of women, they're unfair to other women. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, I agree. And expect us to, like make it's like we have this terrible quality where someone doesn't make the same choices we would make <laughs> like we tear them apart and part of being a supportive woman to other women is supporting people when they make choices you really disagree with you know mm-hmm. so i would agree uh, with that yeah, I, yeah, I would agree yeah. with that while while i'm criticizing carly fiorina um which and, is different <laughs> yeah but you know, there's, I, I, there's I, I, objectively I, you know, I, bad leadership that's you can't be pollyanna yeah, about every woman completely yeah. and i and i yeah. also feel like you know marissa has proven herself to, to be competent in a technical capacity and in a leadership capacity in a way that carly never did right um yeah. and 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 frankly it's one of the those things that you know just to kind of i guess just finish up put about on my point and then i'll let you guys yeah, discuss sure. whatever you want but uh, you know i feel like as unfair as it is to simone's point and, and even though men should obviously take a different tact until we have more of us out there where we can be nuanced when you're the first it's not fair but you do actually set a really important precedent and this is for anybody who is a minority whether you're african-american or a woman or you know um you know maybe you know you represent lgbtq or whatever like if you're different you are held to a different standard and because she didn't wasn't able to and it wasn't even so much that she was bad, but she was arrogantly bad, and she was yeah. refusing to, to improve it all. And and, and de- she defends her record unimpeachably in a way that, that makes no sense, where people call her out on things, and she has no responses to them. And then she has the nerve to criticize Hillary Clinton and say Hillary Clinton has no record of ever doing anything. I want to Ouch. scream. What? I want to scream. Whoa. Yeah, she, she, she's she, – her whole campaign right now is being built on criticizing Hillary Clinton and saying that she oh, is more qualified to be president than Hillary Clinton, <laughs> saying that Hillary Clinton has never done anything. She was – oh, she was in the White House, and she was – yes, and, and – Katie Couric, who I generally don't like, actually did a fantastic interview with with, um, with Carly on Monday. And she said, well, you know, she's been a senator and she was secretary of state. You don't think that leaves her qualified? Well, I think she's a career politician. Has she ever led, led a business? Well, you laid off 30,000 people mm-hmm. and lost half the value of your company well, like, and put down them in a women. hole that they are still in. You know, like – Exactly. I mean, speaking of tearing down women, she's attacking someone who actually is credentialed and then trying to claim that because you were an unofficial advisor to the NSA or something for like two years, you somehow are qualified to have, you know, um, foreign policy experience um, as compared to the secretary of state. That's just insane. Um, So she's just incompetent on on levels that 
and, and then she has such a pomposity mm. about her that I that it, to me I feel like she set back an entire generation of women in tech from even yeah. being being considered CEOs of Fortune 50 companies. The way I feel like I'll just say this: I think that if she had not messed up so badly. I don't think there's any way that Sheryl Sandberg would have been Facebook's COO. I think that the investors would have made Mark Zuckerberg step aside when he hired Sheryl on and he was still young and he hadn't proven himself as a CEO yet. And I think they would have put Sheryl in as CEO. But yeah. I think that the, the distaste of Carly and that whole era basically meant that w- the woman could only be second in command. Yeah. Can we can we take a moment and just give a quick aside that um, you know Cheryl Sandberg, um, your husband died out of nowhere last week. <sighs> oh, and, you know, so my terrible! Heart, my heart really goes out to her. Um, no, I, I think all that's really well said, Christine. And I, you know, I I think sometimes it's so easy to talk about the negatives of being a woman in tech, and there are a lot of them. <laughs> but you know, I feel like there there are positives too. I mean, totally. I feel I feel like being a woman leader. I feel like. Well, let me give you an example. Like I have, um, my assistant is about to, you know, have a baby and go on maternity leave. Yeah, I feel like it's I'm still able not to, there yet. She is. Man, she's working on just... it. Yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been a lot of stuff. That baby is the real slacker. Here. I, I'm telling you, but I feel like you're able to like really relate to people in a in a human level and show real concern with people and have that emotional touch with people in a way that I don't think men are really as free to do. I feel like you're more able to feel sad. I think that, um, you know, something else is I, I've noticed that like guys are really hesitant, generally speaking, to say, I effed up. And, you know, like I was mm. doing an interview last week. It's like a African-American woman was asking me why there were no black people in Rev 60. And I just looked her in the eye and I said, look, I effed up. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's a, a statement that a guy would be able to make. So mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think that when I think about being a woman leader, um, I don't see Carly as someone that embodies anything that I I personally value. Um, I think it's important to be humble. I think it's important to show concern for the people underneath you. Um, and I think it's important to more than anything to learn from mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I listen to her talk about her tenure at HP and running for president, I hear someone that isn't honest about having made any mistakes. And, mm. you know, that's just not something I think is good in any leader of any political party. I would definitely agree. And like the, all those traits that you mentioned that perhaps people that that women are brought up to embody are things that I think men could also certainly stand to learn from in positions of leadership because it does it sucks it really sucks that uh, we have this need to put people in positions of power and then ask them to close themselves off and not consider human collateral and things like that like that's that's something that I think people in positions of power need to address. And when it comes to like the way that I would phrase this uh, for myself, I would say like Carly Fiorina screwed up. She made a lot of mistakes. I wouldn't say, I would say it's society's fault that that set women back a generation yeah, in leadership. I think that's well said. Yes, because I would agree with very that. Very well said. Very well said. 
I, I don't society know. Society sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm sitting here like clenching my fists. You gave such a beautiful speech, Brie, and I, uh, yeah, I don't. I, you, you know what I think is unfair. I, th- I, I'd love your input on, especially you, Christina, as someone that works in more of a, a traditional office than mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so unfair that women are not allowed to cry at work. And I'm not saying like a daily basis. I'm saying like a once or twice a year, you know, in the worst right. day or the worst situation. Um, I think it gets read in all these horrific negative ways. And you know, something I feel is when you make a really creative product, like journalism is or like game yep. development mm-hmm. is, I think you put your all into that product. I mean, your yes. audience gets to know you in such an intimate way. And I feel like this office environment that kind of is very harsh to all humans showing yeah. like the entire range of emotion. I feel mm-hmm. like it's I feel like it's it's just asking us to do kabuki theater. You're you living know? around people basically for eight hours a day. You have right. to be able to be real with them. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. I've cried at work. I've cried in front of my bosses before. Yeah. Yeah. Power to I mean you. I haven't I haven't really cried in front of like my coworkers, but I've mm-hmm. I've been in like one on one meetings before where there have been things going on and I've been stressed out and I've cried before. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um I too. Because I'm a crier. I'm, I'm an emotional person. You know, I typically keep it together, but like I'm an emotional person and I'm okay. It doesn't, it's, it, I don't see it as a, as a sign of, of weakness, I don't you know? Um, and, um, and I know that it, it's one of those things though. You're right though. Cause even when I'm, even when I've done it, I like berate myself and want to like bite the inside of my cheek and stop. And then I think, screw it. You know, I'm, I'm emotional. I'm crying because I care. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I agree. have not yet been able to do that, but. Yeah. Someday, perhaps. <laughs> we should probably move on to the more fun top. Actually, sorry. No, we should move on to our ad read for Linda.com. Yes. Woohoo! Yeah! If you don't know by now, why wouldn't you? Linda.com is the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand video courses that teach you all manner of of things that are useful in the business world, in your personal life, as creative tools. It's awesome. Some of the courses that were, again, emailed to me today in my Linda newsletter, how to get your Apple Watch up and running. So basically- <laughs> I it, need that. Yeah. If if you're not watching Apple's videos, you should be watching lynda.com's videos. They'll teach you like how to get it all set up, get it running. And then one of the ones that I'm really interested in, uh, there's one on getting started with video production and editing that doesn't focus on a specific editing program, but it's like stuff like how to set up shots, how to get your lighting right, um, editing with sound editing and color editing, color correction rather, which again, I I need to stop phrasing this as those are my weak points. But like for someone who has never like, unless you sit down and really like analyze the way that people shoot things, you don't necessarily think about that when you're going into video production, if you've never done it before. And it's so, so important to kind of learn the language of video production and shooting video. So that's an awesome course that I found today on Linda. And you I'm know super excited about that. For president Me! Linda Weinman, the woman behind totally. Linda.com. She should totally <laughs> run. Betrayal. I bet she is awesome to hang out with in real life. Like, yeah, you see the icon of her with glasses? Like, do you know, like, she's a former animator and that's what her Dude. background is in? I bet she is awesome to party with. 
like she would she would like revitalize the entire United States economy by like teaching us to do new awesome things. That it would be great. I'm on I'm 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 one hundred percent down with that. Yes. Yes. Let's do yes. it. Yes. What do you think she's like in real life? I don't really competent. She, yeah. She's yeah. she probably strikes the she perfect knows a balance lot of between emotional yeah. and business like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she probably never makes she's the anti Carly. Yeah. Yeah, she's the anti-Carly. So, yeah. She, <laughs> she probably never tears down other women. She only builds them up by teaching them wonderful technological creative <laughs> things. Um, I and like you... that we're just like putting our own views <laughs> on this woman. Like she's just an icon, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Hey yeah, guys, if you want a free 10 yeah. day trial from lynda.com, visit lynda.com slash rocket, spelled L Y N D A dot com slash rocket, um, which is the name of the show. So yeah. Um, <laughs> and on lynda.com, again, as I've said, you can learn from experts who are working in their fields. You can. Basically, whether it's for a hobby or for something that you're doing for work, improving your skills on your own time, et cetera, et cetera, you can learn all about how to use all manner of things. Like, seriously, the number of things that you can, like, from programs to devices to, like, out in the field shooting video, there's any number of things that you can learn on Linda, and you can download those courses to watch on the go on your Android or iOS device, which means that you can be learning even as you are working. Do they have videos on running for president? Dude, like, I'm gonna look it up right now. That should be that should. How be do I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look up politics. How old do you have to be to run for president again? Thirty-five. Thir- All right, 35, I can yeah. run for president. I do. I can't. totally do that. Thank God. Oh, no, but you should run, Brie. Oh my God, you should, should totally run. be writing candidate. Oh yeah, I'd be. I'd be great president. That'd be, that would be a very uneventful campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Using positive power and politics. Wow. Yeah. I think that's about management, uh, business management. Developing send, political acumen. We should acumen. send Carly a lynda.com trial <laughs> so she can, she can watch that video. I'll, hmm. I'll direct that. tweet at her. All right. <laughs> Carly, here's the importance of political savvy. There we from go. course developing political savvy i'm, I'm gonna send that to her past right. achievements your general likability your friends at work and your political skills so yeah lynda.com it's freaking awesome visit lynda.com slash rocket to start your 10-day free trial today so before we go to the next topic yeah. i want to preview our next ad by saying it will involve my own fantasy of mattress surfing, like in the movie Princess Diary. I'm so scared so, right now, Brie. Nice. I'm right. so scared. That's awesome. That's All right. excited. Let's get to it. So, Christina, your second topic of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, uh, I swear we're not just riding your coattails to success. Christina actually has an incredible tact for like jumping on these topics that are hot button topics and one of those is periscope and the mayweather boxing fight which you watched through your phone yes i did i i pirated the hell out of that fight you guys (sighs) i was not going to pay money for it which is why christina is going to jail (laughs) (laughs) this is why christina is going to go to jail hey i watched someone else's pirated stream i did not i eh, it's fine um i uh no so Last Saturday was the uh, Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, and it was called the fight of the century. It, it was actually kind of boring, although it was, I thought, a fairly good fight. I mean, it wasn't that exciting, but it was. I thought it was a technically like very good fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was at the Kentucky Derby ordering my Apple Watch, getting drunk. 
<laughs> I came home, uh, went, went, went out to eat with my husband, came home, was uh, took a three-hour nap, passed out rather, woke up from my uh, <laughs> Kentucky Derby-induced hangover, and I was like, I want to watch the fight, but I'm not going to pay for the fight. So at first, I was trying some of the pirated streams, and they wouldn't work on my phone. And so then I was like, well, let's try this Periscope thing. Let's see if Periscope will have the fight. Oh, did it ever. Oh, oh my God. Um, it was actually kind of an amazing experience because of what was happening. Apparently, there might have even been someone who was in the arena at, <gasps> at the you know MGM, like, periscoping it, um, oh which I think gosh. is hilarious. Um, I didn't see any of that. What I saw was people who were, in some cases, recording their um, – you know, fight night parties. So, you know, you're having all your friends over and you're recording everybody in the living room and maybe the fight's on in the background. But in some, but in some cases, there were people who were straight up just recording their TVs. Just like and they set showing the phone a fight. up, perfect view, perfect yep. streaming the whole thing. That is amazing. The whole thing. And that's how I watched the fight. And what was funny was that streams would sort of go down, like kind of like you watch one stream for a round uh, with a bunch of people, and then the stream would go down, so you'd have to surf to another one, like whether it was shut down because of uh, Periscope received a, a complaint or not. Mm-hmm. They later said that they got 66 complaints and shut down 30 streams. Trust me, there were more than 30 streams uh, showing that fight. Yeah. And um, there was one stream that I watched about half the fight in. It was in Spanish, but... You could see, um, you know, I could see the score in, in English and I could follow what was happening. And at one point there were 10,000 people in that stream watching wow. with me concurrently. Um, and I watched, like I said, I watched about half the fight through that stream, uh, you know, from that guy who was who was uh, recording it in Spanish. And what was funny was that uh, there was kind of this urban myth that somehow got spread that if you – pressed the, the the like if you tapped on the phone which is to give hearts mm-hmm. um and, and show that you like something that, it, that if a stream had too many likes too many hearts um that the stream would get i guess uh would tip people off because that like and they pushes would it, it down. up to the top of the the thing theoretically like right makes it easier and, and, to find. And, and, exactly and and that that would somehow set off some sort of algorithm and shut it down <laughs> at TechCrunch disrupt at TechCrunch disrupt on tuesday um uh cave on um from a periscope said no actually that that had nothing to do with our heuristic it was just an old wives tale but what would happen was that as at the stream i was in and i was even tweeting about this i said oh you know been in the stream you know about ten thousand people in the stream and so far no hearts people are learning and then all wow. of a sudden someone started started tweeting start, started harding like crazy and all of a sudden people start talking in the streams like stop the hearts and they're saying it both in spanish <laughs> and in english and some of the spanish ones were like please stop the hearts it'll break the connection you know it's it was hilarious it was this very surreal experience but what i really liked about it i mean it wasn't just i mean i i and i said this in my piece um which was called um i par- i watched uh, the the Mackiel, pa- uh, mayweather uh, Pacquiao mayweather fight on periscope and i saw the future mm-hmm. uh, what i said in that piece was that you know um Although it was fine for a sporting event, for a fight like this that I was able to watch, you know, I wouldn't want to watch an episode of Game of Thrones or a movie or anything mm-hmm. that way on it. It's really not the experience for that. But for me, it wasn't even so much about the fact that I was, you know, watching this fight that, frankly, I wouldn't have paid for anyway. You know, if I'm going to watch the yeah. fight, I'll watch it on HBO this weekend. Um, but I wasn't ever going to pay 100 bucks for it anyway. Um, it was actually more, I think, about the experiential aspect of watching – something live with a bunch of other people virtually it was like it's i was about community right it's about yeah yeah it's like i was participating in someone's you know fight night parties it was like i was in someone's living room but i was just there you know from my bedroom um it was a very 
it's hard to describe. I mean, you know, there's something about these live streaming services that has been really compelling for a long time, you know, and going all the way back to, you know, things like, you know, sudo.com and and some of the early cam girls and things. There's, you know, the original Big Brother, you know, like there's mm. there's voyeuristic nature in all of us, I think, and and, and a, a certain narcissism in all of us that is makes these sorts of services really, really compelling. And Mm-hmm. What's different, I think, about this generation of live streaming services, such as you know Periscope and Meerkat, is that it's so easy to do. And anybody, everybody has a phone. Everybody's got um, you know full video production studio on their person. Yeah. Um, and so anybody can do it, and and that just means that we can kind of dive into other people's lives. It's not dissimilar to kind of what we saw with YouTube early on, where you know a lot of the YouTubers were just kind of confessional videos and people with webcams. And the difference now is that, and, and it brought people, brought you in, and even now, a lot of the biggest YouTube stars are people who do it on their own and have more of an indie-ish feel rather than overly done, you know, production values. In fact, a lot of times they go out of their way and spend a lot of money to downplay the amount of production <laughs> values they have. You know, they spend a lot of money to make it look less, mm-hmm. you know, yep. high end. Yep. Um, b- because that appeals more. And um, I feel like the fact that, you can tune in live. The live aspect was what was so interesting. You know, the, the mm-hmm. commentary aspect, the fact that you can really kind of communicate with people in real time. And at Mashable, we've been experimenting a ton with Periscope and Meerkat and using them. We basically have streams going, um, you know, almost all workday where we have, huh. you know, different people in our office set up and, and doing, you know, talking about different topics, you know, and, and, and for, for, you know, half an hour, an hour to stretch. And, um, and it's been successful and we've had great community interaction. But having kind of this this critical mass some people call it kind of the napster moment for for live for for you know live video um with with, with the, the fight i don't know it just it felt like i was on the precipice of something really unique there was yeah. The, yeah. the second screen aspect of it there was the pirating aspect there was the community aspect but it wasn't just the fact that i was like watching i mean because i could have found an illegal stream to watch the fight that would have been more pristine than what i was doing but there was something different and something more frankly compelling about watching it on my phone watching yeah it made you feel connected to it yeah that's something that i've experienced not not with the live aspect but for events that are global events but that i don't follow religiously like for example the world cup i'll watch right. that every single time it happened every four years because i love it but i don't follow soccer in the interim time so this kind of but because i love that festival atmosphere of a it's a big cultural event. Everyone's in it. This just brings that to this the, the next level of being right there in the crowd. That is the whole fun of the event itself for people who are kind of casually interested in it. Uh, Eurovision is coming up in two weeks. And I like you're you are so on the nose with this, Christina. Like I, I was hearing about the fight on Twitter and it didn't even occur to me that there was a way for me to watch it easily. I am going to periscope the crap out of Eurovision because if there is somebody totally. who is in the audience there, I that that would be the most awesome thing in the world, like to be right there in the center of that. But that's something I was thinking about. How it seems like every time I go to a major sporting event or even you know really large convention, um, it feels like uh, we'll take Pax East, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I assume you tried to tweet from Pax East, and it's impossible, right? It doesn't work, mm. and I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine how any kind of video stream from a live event like that would currently have the bandwidth, at least in the United States. Maybe Eurovision will be better. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, there were definitely, I guess it kind of depends. 
depends on how many people and what what the saturation of of signals trying to go through is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we'll we'll try it. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll give it a go, Christina. I have I yeah. Before I ask, because I do have some questions about this, but I wanted to, you know, we were talking about that in, this in chat before the show. Like for you as a reporter, something I really admire about you is this piece went mega viral that you wrote. Totally, and I saw a lot of people talking about it all mm. week long. What? What I've noticed about you is you have a sense of what people are going to care about in a way that I I think I have some of it. Like, I know what a good story is and a good product. And I think, like, if you look at the products we've made at Giant Space Cat, I think I kind of had a sense of the fact that uh, a studio run by women would be a good bet to Mm, make back in 2010. But I think I think I tend to kind of I think I kind of have a sense of what I feel is important and what other people are going to feel is important. I you have a sense of what people are going to get excited about with like viral pieces like mm-hmm. this because I would have never thought to have periscoped this fight. I mean, where do you think that comes from with you? Like, what <laughs> yeah, the, what psychological why are you traits? so crazy smart, Christina? No, I well, no, I do, think that- yeah. Do you think it's your pop culture What blood magic or, did yeah, you do? Yeah. What? How did you get to be so good at it? I think it's both. I think, I think, you know what I think it is? I think it's that I've been such an avid media watcher for basically my whole, both mm-hmm. adult and, and even non-adult life. Um, but especially kind of as part of the internet, I feel like I'm a citizen of the internet and I feel like I've come of age online. I feel like I get yeah. internet culture um, in, in a way that maybe not, I'm not saying I, I get it better than anybody else, but I, but I think I get it in a way that's different than maybe the average person. Um, and I've been doing this long enough that, um, especially when it comes to things that are kind of like social trends and anything that's kind of like a hybrid of like tech and kind of like a, a digital entertainment angle, I feel like I have a good sense of what's the next big thing on that. And I can mm-hmm. identify this is going to be a good story. Um, I think it's also just a matter of I've worked with great people at Mashable for so many years and I've been able to identify kind of like, okay, this is going to be big versus that, you know, and, and sometimes you're wrong, sometimes you're right, you know, like the the dress thing was one of those things that, you know, the, 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 that I knew um, even before I, you know, when I saw it in our chat, and we were actually a little late on it, but we still got tr- crazy traffic from it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I saw it in our chat, which was from message boards, and I think it was not long after BuzzFeed had put up their first post, um, I was like, this is going to be humongous. Um, those are, are easier things to call. With the Periscope thing, that was just kind of me kind of riffing, and I was even riffing about it on Twitter, and I actually kind of pitched the idea to my editor yeah. on Twitter, um, <laughs> ironically. And it was one of those things where I was like, this is going to be a bigger story. Um, and then I, I was actually really proud, and I don't often say this, but I will say I was really proud with my my own angle on that because I really – a lot of people wrote about the piracy angle, which mm. is easy to do and kind of low-hanging fruit, and that's fine. And there are very interesting, very, like, nuanced discussions we can have about that. But I ever actually thought the more experiential part and kind of the long-term trend about what does this mean for the future of kind of how we consume stuff was more interesting. And so I was really – I think that we can have a conversation. A lot of it will be kind of, do- you know, um, uh, I guess, dominated by the piracy talk early on. But I feel like the longer term conversation will be happening over the next few years will be about this experiential aspect. I definitely yeah, agree. Yeah, totally. People are always looking, whether they know it or not, for that way to get closer to each other and to connect with each other. And this is, yeah, having it right in your hand and be completely live is completely well, that. 
I don't well, even think it's let's that. Use completely I so think, many times in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's um something you know I'm in my you know I'm in my thirties very solidly at this point and and something no. that's a trend that I've seen <laughs> is you know. I, I never would have guessed YouTube journalism taking over my industry to the degree that it is. It's mm. exactly like you said, Christine. You see people like having very sophisticated setups, like deliberately making them look low tech so it seems more informal. And to me, this seems like the most logical extension of this trend yes. I don't really understand. You know, because for me as a creative person, like it, it, GSX, like we're talking about moving forward, having a certain um, aspect of, you know, media production uh, facilities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my first gut reaction is, okay, let's get a professional lighting setup. What's the correct, um, Mm. you know, how can we make sure we have good sound quality? It's very counterintuitive that I think for a company that is something it's like the ground floor that you have to get in on. But I think for a lot of people, it, it doesn't have to be that. And I think that low tech informal kind of communication works. It's kind of what Twitter is about too. Like you can't get hyper messaged in 140 characters. Like you just kind of feel what the person's thinking. I think part of that is about the human connection, certainly with video, because yeah. if it has yes. that imperfection, it has human touch on it. it. Has, a person. Exactly. Like it this. has, yeah. It has authority. It has it has authenticity. No, that's the word. Yeah. Not, not yeah. Authenticity. authenticity. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I think that's why the best people like like Ziff Frank, who does Buzz, who is you know the director of Buzzfeed's video operation, and Buzzfeed I think does amazing videos. I think that's where he really mm-hmm. excels, and that he has very high production values, but you don't notice them. Yeah. You notice the authenticity. You notice the people. So I think he's one of those people that that straddles that line really well of not being the purposefully mm-hmm. looking bad set up, you know, to, to kind of, you know, buy into that what's popular on YouTube kind of motif, but at the same time, still speaking in the visual language and the, you know, the the, the humor of the kind of YouTube audience mm-hmm. um, by being authentic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think that, do you think the future is like with Periscope? Like, I... It's kind of weird to me, but you know, I find myself living a life that a lot of people might find exciting. Like, do you think the future <laughs> yeah. of that is you should be periscoping like, that stuff? You should free? be like, actually. I spend all day today doing a Seriously. documentary video. Like, do I periscope that if I'm having a high level meeting with people? Do I periscope that? I mean, like, is that what the future of you know, being a media figure is going to be? I'm so torn on this because I I do. Like, I love that idea. Like, I love sharing things with people. I'm yeah. so all about that. I Like, I any reason to Periscope something, I want to be on that, even though, like, literally all I do is drive back and forth between my house and my work. But I'm also concerned because there's such a performative aspect once you know you are on camera. No, yes. matter, no matter, like, how comfortable you are and how much experience you have, like, putting per- per- Periscoping your meeting, I think – not your meeting personally, Brie, but a meeting, I think would hinder production so? because, yeah, because everyone is concerned about what they're saying on camera, what they're doing on camera. <laughs> I I think. Simone, yeah. I have to stop you right there Go and on. say anytime I say anything on this podcast or on Twitter or in a meeting or anything, I have to be, I have to assume it's out there for the public. There was a video of that me is throwing fair. someone out of a convention Holy last weekend crap. that got 36,000 views. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm already there. Where I okay. just assume it's all out there. So Even I don't, if well, it's I just, think, like, an internal I, meeting with five employees in a... Well, 
I, a boardroom. I, really, I kind of don't agree with that. I don't All think right. there is a performative aspect of how I'm doing. I think whether there might not, I'm hanging yeah. out with my husband or doing something on documentary film or doing this podcast. I mean, I might mm. swear less, but you know, <laughs> like, um, right. I don't know. But even I by, but yeah. even by swearing less, I mean, I mean, honestly, that's, that's being, to me, it's not so much that I change my personality. It's maybe I might say things or, 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 I, it's a weird thing because on the one hand, I, I I understand what you're talking about, Simone. There is a performative mm-hmm. aspect. Even when I'm not attempting to perform with the camera, when I'm just wanting to be me, there's something about knowing you have a live audience that I think it's almost impossible unless you are genuinely being followed by cameras 24 hours a day, in which case you kind of forget about it. Yeah. Where you and, – and, and that that's what studies have shown. I mean, that's what, I've talked to people who've been on the real world before. It's like they say, you know, this stuff happens because you forget you're on camera. You yeah. live with it. You understand this is the reality, sense. so stuff happens. But I think when that's not the case, even if you're trying to do a business meeting and whatnot, it's one thing to just have kind of a camera going. If, if it's in the background and you kind of forget about it, it's another, I guess, if it's in your face and you're interacting with people, which to me is what makes Periscope – different than some of the other you know past services like the Ustreams and whatnot is that it is very interactive and the audience really likes to interact with people and so Mm -hmm. at that point when you literally see people talking to you and making comments based on what you're saying in real time that's when I become more responsive I guess and maybe more perform it becomes more of a performance thing because you literally have people who are at a certain point it kind of gets like dance monkey dance do this do that and that makes sense to me yeah. And you kind of do it for a little bit and then you go, wait a minute, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it's the difference between saying, okay, this is an event at my company that I want to share with people and let's just um, – oh, God, I lost my other example. Yeah, wanting to share something versus just kind of trying to get the camera in there just for the sake of preserving it, I guess, or like right. capturing a moment. I, yes, I totally I, I lost agree. my train of thought. It, it, yeah, no, it, it, it's like the, I would say it's the difference between like maybe preserving something for that or sharing it and inviting them into it to participate. It's like one thing. Like, there, are you a voyeur or are you someone who yes. can also have an active voice? Yeah, like intentionally inviting inviting people in to share the service versus or share the moment versus just kind of having them there and trying to continue naturally, like. Right. Are we having a meeting just as a company, Pixelkin's editorial meeting on Wednesday morning, or are we bringing someone in and like making this a unique experience for them so that they can enjoy this meeting versus just us having our meeting normally with people watching? That kind of right. thing. Wow. Yeah. The words. The words today. I, you're bringing the words. You're bringing Thanks. the words. Thanks, should babe. Should we go on to our next sponsor? We totally should because we, we are – we, we, we said we keep it tight and we lied. <laughs> we uh, lied. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper, Casper of the mattresses Yay! that grow right in Yay! front of your eyes. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, Casper is an online retailer of mattresses that you can get for – a fraction of the price that you get in stores because, you know, you're not going to the store and dealing with tons of mattresses and retailers, et cetera, et cetera. It's just m- you, mattress, directly <laughs> to your door. <laughs> just you and a mattress, baby. Um, you know, it's like when you're thinking about the middleman. I bet that phrase came from, like, mattress sales. You know, like, oh, there's oh, someone out there. Yeah, yes. totally. Yeah. 100% mattresses are so expensive. Yeah. But these mattresses are not because uh, it's like 500 for a twin size up to 950 for king size mattresses yes. and they are uh, latex and latex foam and memory foam combined but people with latex allergies don't need to worry about it because it's all it's inside a synthetic. the mattress synthetic. and it's a synthetic latex oh, synthetic. oh that's amazing 
that voice is never <laughs> going to happen that? again. So no, and I, I like was that. that. Please do the whole show in that voice. Uh, that, that was, that I, was, you know, I'm practicing my higher register so that I can, <laughs> you know, move on to my opera career, which is what's That's next for me. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Rocket is the straight path to, to <laughs> opera. So this is, this is what I need from Casper. Yes, this is tell what me. I need from Casper. Casper, listen. I love your product. I'm totally like everyone out there in our audience get get their product. So they will like bring me to their factory to fulfill my lifelong <laughs> dream of mattress surfing in the Casper factory, preferably oh with Julie Andrews, just like in Princess wow. Diaries. Brianna, like, do you I think really they have that a mattress happen. waterfall at the, the Casper mattress oh factory? <gasps> do you think we God. could do that? Do you think they're like soft and puffy? Casper, please get in on. Please, please let us do this, Casper. Please, yeah, please. Yeah. The video we, would go so viral; it would be amazing viral marketing for you. Yeah, it would seriously, get picked up everywhere. Everyone would write about it. It would be we'll periscope it. In, we not only would we periscope <laughs> it, we would have like low tech, like high tech video made to look low tech to do. No, we, we no, we would do like the ultimate YouTube video for this. No, but I'm serious. If we yeah. had this filmed, that we could do it very well. It would go so viral, Casper. It would. It would be worth whatever money you have to pay, like to to clean up the mess and like ensure <laughs> Brie to make sure she doesn't die. Um, what's, what's Julie it, Andrews it would, doing be these worth, days anyway? Well, I was going you know? to say yeah. we would be able to get Dame Julie Andrews in. Yeah. We would have to pay whatever her ridiculous fee is, which is worth every penny, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, it would be worth it and pay for itself ten times over because everyone. It would be like those bullet blend videos. You could be like the bullet blend of mattresses by letting Brie uh, mattress surf through your factory. <laughs> Think oh about it. God. That would be Think amazing. Even better than the fact that Casper is going to let Brianna mattress surf in their factory is that they offer free delivery and within a 100-day period, you can return your product if you don't like it. But even even better than that is the fact that they're vacuum-packed and you just open them and then they come to life right before your wow. eyes. And I know no more like trying to get them through the door. Like you yeah. literally can just like carry it in. It's not a big deal. It's a box. Uh, you wait, don't have wait, to wait, like be like – are you telling me for $500 I could get the single Casper mattress? Yes. Yeah, I could just mattress surf at my own house? Yes. Yes. All the yes. time. I could get either A, an Apple Watch link band for $450, mm-hmm. or I could get yep. a Casper mattress and just surf all day. You long. are so putting this in perspective. You could have an Apple Watch really that would, will wake you up in the middle of the night, or you could have a mattress that you sleep on soundly and happily. Yeah. All right. That's a good. Do you think Anne Hathaway gonna... would come over to my house and like mattress surf? With of course me she, if she, I would. Yeah, she would. She Look, she might not, but 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 her tech twin Christina Warren, who has her same exact <laughs> birthday, would. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's do it, Christina. We have to make this happen. I, I look. I I I I I'm I'm not Anne Hathaway. Um, I just you know play her on the internet, and you I do a very good job of it. Thank you. I love her. I love oh, you too. I love too. you more. But did I you love guys her see too. her dress at the Met Gala with her her, her, her hoodie? Oh, it was oh, amazing. My God, oh my the, God. like Star Wars dress. Yes. Yes. So good. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. No. I, I Every, want her to send And how me that good dress. did Rihanna look at the Met Gala? Like I was with <sighs> with um I I was with I Ginny, uh, G- Jenna Wortham. I R- Rihanna. I was like, oh my God, Queen, 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 amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. No, so she good. killed it. Fan Bingbing also killed it. Like, oh my God. Yes. So the let me finish this ad read before we, we <laughs> speak of the I'm, pop I'm culture. I'm willing to things. talk about the dresses at the Met Gala. 
some more. I'm just putting that. We out can totally there. do that. So, okay. First, I want to yeah, let people know yeah. that they can get fifty dollars towards any $50? of Casper's mattresses by visiting wow. Casper.com/rocket wow. and using the code Rocket. So before so, yeah. we move on, I have something really, really important I want to tell our listeners. So, Hit us. look when you get a Casper mattress, when you go to lynda.com, when you do anything with any of our sponsors that we've done, it is so critical that you use the code rocket because if they don't know you're getting it through our show, like that, that seriously affects everything. So, you know, like, and Rocket is doing awesome. Like we are flying through the ratings air like a rocket, but yeah, just make sure that you (laughs) make sure that you do that. Please use that code. Mm -hmm. Plus you can get stuff for like, for, with deals. Like why wouldn't you want to take advantage of that? Absolutely. do it. Take advantage of us. Use our codes. Do it. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) Okay. Wow. So do you want to talk about Met Gala dresses or do you want to fight about the Avengers? Avengers. All right. Avengers. So, All right. So, Avengers age so, 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 of Brianna. Age of Ultron. Yes. So Brianna saw it and, and, and Simone saw it. I did not. So I'm going to be the referee or, All right. or, or, or the, the moderator of this Gwen debate. Um, yes. Brianna, you did not like the Avengers Age of Ultron. Is that correct? Sucked. Say that to my face, Brianna Wu. <laughs> Simone, you Simone, you enjoyed the Age of Ultron, correct? I thoroughly enjoyed the Age of Ultron. It was probably the best right. week of my life. What? All right. So, 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 Simone. Yes. I'm going to start with you. Uh-oh. You're going to have a couple of minutes to tell us why this was so good, and then Brie, I want you to rebut and tell her why she's wrong. Ah, oh, crap. Okay. All right. So I super freaking enjoyed Age of Ultron. I'd seen people trashing it all over the internet saying it was like a Joss Whedon quit Twitter over the abuse he got over Age of Ultron. Yeah. Which and then so I I had, you know, my expectations were like, "Eh." and then I went into it and I was like, I I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, when's it going to get bad? When's it going to get bad? And I was like, no, this is a solid, enjoyable film about superheroes. It has exactly like the fun character dynamics that I wanted that that were born in the Avengers, carried over to an age when, you know, they're, they've started to work together. They're working together a little more and more, um, with, with the tensions that have built up, but also the friendships that have built up and the banter back and forth between the, the Avengers themselves. I loved, it was just so much fun. Like there was not a moment where I wasn't, where I was like, ah, this isn't enjoyable. It was just like, fun all the way through and that's pretty much what i want from a movie about marvel superheroes is just to have a good time and um see hot people do cool Mm -hmm. things and in those respects i think it succeeded there were some moments that fell flat for me for sure but (laughs) like i don't see how it was less good than your typical superhero movie well, I think that's just it. It was kind of more of a typical superhero movie than it was, um, you know, a Joss Whedon superhero movie. And, you know, I'm not like a Joss Whedon mega fan, but I thought the the last Avengers movie was probably the greatest Marvel superhero movie made so far. And, you know, there's a better very than Iron simple... Man? Come on. Better than Winter Soldier? Oh yeah, better than, better oh, than yeah. Iron Man. Come on, oh, I yeah. guess. Okay, as yeah. a yeah. as a group. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not supposed to talk right now. But as a no, no, uh, no. ensemble cast, no, no, no. Avengers, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure yeah. was. You're I mean, not a good moderator. It was great. Christina. It was good. <laughs> I'm a terrible moderator. I'm a terrible moderator. I'm sorry. I'm bad at this. No, no, um, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So you felt that it, it, as an ensemble, it just didn't work for you. Well, yeah. I felt like I think if you do everything 
you ultimately do nothing right in a movie mm-hmm. and i felt like they had so many different uh plot threads that um it didn't really get to the point where anyone really felt well developed uh like a really good example is ultron like um yeah there are gonna be some mild spoilers here um <laughs> very mild i promise i'm not gonna give away major plot points um like ultron comes along and becomes a villain almost instantly and as soon as Ultron comes to life, like he he declares that he wants to kill the Avengers, and it's never really explored in depth why. Um, I feel like they really should have focused on either Ultron or Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. I feel like they um, they kind of just spread it all around, and yeah, you know, they're trying to get so many other Avengers in there that it felt like they didn't really have great moments with all the cast. Like, a really good example is the the Hawkeye moment. You know what I'm talking about, where they kind of take a respite in the middle of the script, and you yeah. see Hawkeye in his more unguarded moment, right? Yeah. And, like, that's his moment. So rather than having, like, an arc of things happening to Hawkeye, he just gets, like, one or two moments in the film. See, and I don't see how like that's there was necessarily so much that. different from the first mm-hmm. Avengers film. Because well, in that film... Well, there were five characters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone in, in, in this... I mean, it felt to me like everyone in the Avengers had their moment. Hawkeye definitely had less moments in the Avengers. So I was glad mm-hmm. to see that he got to explore a bit more of that character in yeah. this film. That pleased me greatly. And I, I guess as, having and relatively recently watched the marvel movie like in kind of in a row um it would it felt nice to have those callbacks to characters that had appeared in previous movies and things that had happened in previous movies like seeing falcon and seeing war machine at the party was like a a delight i was delighted i understand i think that might be probably for someone not not you but for someone who wasn't as familiar with those movies uh mm-hmm. that i could see how that would be confusing and detract from it but kind of as a cacophony of celebration to what marvel has built so far i really enjoyed it okay yeah. i mean it was it was a big 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 movie for you sure yeah. and i guess i felt like my comfortableness with big 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 movies was avengers 1 where there were five, right. um, look at Black Widow's character development over that. Like it starts with her, you see her kind of recruiting Bruce Banner in this really clever way. Like you see a, a scene where she kind of, um, you know, disarms all these people. She kicks mm-hmm. butt. You see genuine character development where she talks about there being red in her ledger. God, I know, love and her. And hurting people about that, right? So love her. She's but so hot. There was there was, oh, she's, oh. Absolutely. And, you know, there's this whole arc with her. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was a, a range of comfort for me. This is maybe more of a, a personal thing. And Christina, I'd love your opinion on this. But um, I don't know if it's it's the age I am, but I feel like I've seen so many epics at this point. Um, the night before I went and saw The Avengers 2, my husband and I went and saw Ex Machina. Which is oh. amazing. I thought it was and great. I need to see oh, that. It's amazing. You know, Ex Machina is ultimately um, a script about basically three people mm-hmm. um, in basically a high-tech apartment in like two or three or four sets. Um, you know, and there's special effects, but it's a smaller film. My favorite Bond movie I've ever seen wasn't a Bond movie at all. It was November Man. 
which is the story about what happens to Bond after he retires or a very Bond-like character mm-hmm. when he's, you know, older and has made the choices that keep him away from everyone from his whole life. What happens to a character like that psychologically? What happens to that character when they're trying to like recruit the next generation? November Man was a a much smaller film, mm-hmm. but it had so much genuine character development between these people that it felt impactful. So, you know, as a 3D professional, it doesn't really impress me however many Ultron bots they want to destroy with Autodesk mm-hmm. Smoke. I'm looking for those... I'm looking for real character development. And that's what I really turned to Joss Whedon for. And that's what mm-hmm. I felt left down about. That's sad. <laughs> Do you think that maybe there was less character development because we're in an age where smaller movies like Ex, Ex Machina, you yeah. know, you can have hits and those do well, but we're basically in an age where you have super tiny films that maybe could be a breakout or you have humongous like mega tentpole blockbusters. And, yeah. you know, it's all about yeah. getting to a billion dollars first. It's all about having, you know, multi-billion. It's no longer about a hundred billion. That's not even a, a market. Yeah. It's 500 billion. <laughs> right. In fact, right. you know, the, the Avengers 2 did fantastic at the box office, but it paled in comparison to the first event. It not paled, but it didn't do as well as the first Avengers. And so People are already kind of panning and being like, oh, well, maybe it won't make back all the money Disney's put into it. But it's literally becoming that sort of machine where, you know, you, it almost it's almost feels like the filmmaking process, and the business parts. Do you think the business realities of the fact that it's so important for the for movies to make so much money and to be so big at a certain point? Do you think that has is one of the reasons that they, they maybe overstuff them full of all these plot points and, and oh, you know, cameos and disaster yeah. things and, and, and explosions and, and, and you know, 3D um, moments and CGI and, and, and everything else? I, I do. But, you know, Christina, I feel like, you know, the last two X-Men movies, you know, Days of Future Past and, you know, X-Men First Class, I think both of those are epics, but they are wonderful, great films that hold up as, as works of art. And, you know, I I feel like those managed to have larger casts, but also, like, have more character development with each of those people there. And I I would suspect if you went through, like, Days of Future Past and counted how many characters there were in that film, it would probably be between five and six. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like, Blink doesn't really have her moment, but it, it really just felt like they're... They're trying to just develop so many people in this movie. And look, some of this stuff just made no sense whatsoever. Like, there's, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of this on the internet. And um, the, you know, some the of the, the pond the pool. scene yes. or whatever. So there's this, street, this scene in the middle of nowhere where Thor is like, oh, oh, I'm having a vision. Oh, no. And they're shirtless, which I don't mind. But, um, True. you know, then nice. he's like getting into this pool of water and like having visions of the infinity gauntlet. Yeah. That we know is going to come eventually, and you know, like, it's, you know, a yeah. lot of that is due to the t- tension between directors and producers, and Marvel's sure. kind of overarching uh, what the people in control want for that franchise, <laughs> which I do think is a problem for sure. And it does it every time a new Marvel movie comes out. It, it it's a worry, a, a worry that eats away at me that somebody who doesn't necessarily have the creative vision of the project at heart is going to do something stupid with it. Yeah. Because um, I, I do. I love all these characters. I'm very attached to them. Um, I think that they're they're wonderful, and I do think that they've gone through a lot of growth. But 
I, you know, I, I'm kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop. So for me, this was a relief that this wasn't the time when the Avengers disappointed me. <laughs> That's kind of how I came at it. It was an utterly competent superhero movie. I would compare it to Iron Man 3, right? Like, oh, well, yeah. it's better Iron than Man Iron Man 3. Okay, yeah. Um, I would okay. compare it to Thor 2. I loved you know, Thor well, 2. Thor 2 was above average too. Yeah, I feel it? I feel Thor like Thor 2 was actually better than Thor 1. I should yeah, come into this better. saying that the yeah. Thor movies were my favorite until the Winter Soldier came out. So that's 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 the kind of person that I am. I'm the person who loves the camp and the ridiculousness. God, okay. I love Thor. I love Chris Hemsworth's arms. Love Thor. Uh, oh, yeah. he's so pretty. Uh, oh, oh, speaking uh, of pretty, how was yeah. Elizabeth Olsen? Was she good? She oh, was she was fantastic. So good. She's such she a was good actress. Great. There such should a good be a actress. whole movie about her. You know, the only Can't, other thing mm. I've seen her in was that horror movie she was in, and um, you know, um, she was in a Mar- Marcy May Marlene or whatever. Oh, I forget the name of it. Um, you the know, one where she, she was like the girl who was part of the cult, who came uh, back to live with her sister. No, you know, it was hmm. the cabin and her dad and all of that. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, you I need to see Marcy May Marlene because yeah. Um, yeah. It, that's she that was one of her first breakout roles she's so good she was really good in it who would have thought one of the olsen's who would have thought like the olsen twins who granted are beautiful and and actually i don't mind their designs but like they've never been good actresses ever i mean Mm -hmm. except when they were like three years old um that like little sister who looks just like them is actually like an amazing actress yeah yeah no um she did great i would watch an entire scarlet witch movie i thought the breakout parts of this movie were her and James Spader, who, again, speaking of gorgeous oh. people, I've had a crush <laughs> yes. on him for a long time. And Same, until he started losing his hair. And yeah, then I was like, oh. yeah. But his voice acting in here is so dark and so layered and you so know, nuanced. It's amazing. Those were the moments that he, he as a serious, like, dark character was great. The moments when Ultron made jokes out of nowhere, those were the moments that felt weird to me. Yeah. And of all the moments in the movie, those were the ones where I was like, oh, what? why is that happening like (laughs) just yeah but other than that i absolutely loved ultron he was very creepy like that initial sequence where he is threatening jarvis and like coming kind of coming to consciousness that was so eerie and strange and like foreboding and wonderful yeah yeah do you know what i think i think um you know like star trek into darkness is a movie i had to watch um three times to really understand and make my peace with and i hated it the first time i saw it and the second time um you know i got into the flow of it and i understood Mm. the story beats they were going with so i i know i will end up watching this again and you know like i don't know maybe i'll feel better about it once i understand the overall rhythm i just felt like i was going into it looking for those joss whedon moments Mm. um and we got them like the um the hammer scene you know where they're all trying to figure out who's worthy um that was wonderful i I just didn't i didn't feel like it had that joss whedon magic i've heard that from um, a lot of people so i I, you're by no means alone in having this opinion so Yeah. yeah Uh, the fact that Brie kind of uh, ended up oscillating and kind of conceding that maybe she'll end up watching it and liking it better um, it makes me say that Simone has won this debate. Okay. Let's watch okay. Christina see it and hate it. <laughs> hate it more than any film ever. Well, I'm, I'm just saying the merits of the debate, I think I think Simone was able to convince Brie that it wasn't as terrible as Brie thought it was. So well, by, by, by that statute alone. I didn't think it was a terrible film. I guess I 
felt it was terrible versus my expectations of what okay. I was hoping okay. it was going to be. Enough. Fair enough. Um, and I'm this just is teasing an you anyway. Utterly, I'm just teasing you anyway. Sure. No, it's an utterly competent superhero movie. It's just more of an average superhero movie than something truly epic. I thought The Avengers 1 was unbelievably good. Mm. Um, I, you and, know, that and I is... was not expecting that one to be as good. I think that, yeah. me, do you think maybe it's a case of like, for me, the first Avengers, I had fairly low expectations, if yeah. I can be honest. Yeah, I um, And And I, I was like, can Joss really do a movie this big? And with these characters mm-hmm. that have been in all these other franchises, can he really wrangle this together and not screw it up and not be, you know, bullied over and whatnot? And then he did. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is better than I ever thought it could be. Yeah. Another... Do you think maybe having that almost, you almost had like reverse expectations because yeah. of that? Yeah. yeah. Another part of that that my roommate brought up is that Loki we we had a, we knew Loki we knew his motivations he was very heavily established so you come into that like kind of with already an understanding of the character and what he wants whereas Ultron we have to learn that and then like see right. his rise so and fall see- during the film whereas we've already seen Loki's rise and fall and we're seeing him rise again in the Avengers yeah yeah I think that's it. I cool. Think that's it. All right. So uh, let's talk about. Do we want? Do we, we want to do what? housekeeping? Yeah. Yeah. Housekeeping. So isometric t-shirts are happening. Uh, Brianna's Woo-hoo! other wildly successful and wonderful and entertaining podcast, Isometric, yeah, has yeah. t-shirts for sale now, right? We, we do have t-shirts. Yeah. Where I can we you to find buy them? that t-shirt. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. That is... But this next thing we're going to talk about, this is... I'm so excited about this. This is the big one. This loop. is so cool. Yeah. Have you got it pulled up? Because I've got it pulled up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Announce it. So uh, Kiva Smith-Pearson is making a feminist card deck. Uh, with art, original art of like feminists that you can meet online. So, like, sounds like a dating website. People it does. that you know, like Brianna and apparently Christina and I, which is crazy cool. <laughs> what? Um, I didn't know about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah and Catherine Cross, who is wonderful, Anita Sarkeesian. Um, basically, like some of the best, most awesome voices in feminism and create creative work um are in this card deck and it yeah. has a kickstarter right now it's called a feminist deck by kiva smith pearson and uh it's six thousand dollars to its twenty two thousand five hundred dollar goal um with yeah. 28 days to go looks like yeah. it just launched so yeah that yeah, is so no. freaking when you told me about this i was like oh cool cool art of brianna and then you were like and you're in it too and i was like yeah. what no it's true <laughs> um what i love about kiva is she has this beautiful thing with her art of taking everyone's beauty and really translating it into her art style. And everyone looks gorgeous in her oh art. God. It's a it's a real talent of hers. But she also manages to, to capture their essence. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think something that's really important is you can't be what you can't see. And, you know, I think it's really important that people have you have feminist heroes that they can look up to. It's certainly mm. not that I feel like Brianna Wu is a hero, but um, I think that like having people that you relate to, like taking a stand or even someone just doing awesome work, like, you know, Christina, you know, like you do great work, Simone. So I, I think Thank it's you. really important to have, you know, career possibilities out there. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I really love this and support it. Kiva's a great person, you know. She's she's honestly someone that um, she just, 
she has this vision and it just it defines her and she's she's so nice and just has nothing but love for everyone else so i I really hope that you guys will support her work with this this is super super cool not just from an egotistical standpoint but from a like just it's great i mean this is what we're talking about supporting other women recognizing their work and um boosting those voices so yeah this is very awesome and this is amazing seems like an awesome person so yeah all right so where can we find you online brianna um i'm at the twitter account infamously known as space cat gal (laughs) (laughs) and christina yourself uh i am at uh the infamous no uh i'm at the twitter (laughs) account known as film underscore girl nice and i am at doom quasar thanks for listening to rocket we are terminated (laughs) 